0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, brought to you by Lacrosse Boots. The Lacrosse Alpha Burley Pro delivers an athletic and glove like fit that will hold the foot in place to prevent chafing and rubbing while on the move. Lacrosse Boots, done right since 1897. To the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine fingered host, Dan Johnson. Energy, energy, energy. Welcome. I've been drinking a lot of coffee today. I apologize, but welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras. Visit exodusoutdoorgear.com and check out their trail cameras. They are badass. You should buy one, and the discount code is 9FINGERS, the number 9, followed by the word FINGERS, and you can save $20 off your trail camera. Now, today, we are joined once again by popular demand, mr justin czar from bowhunter die of bowhunting.com and uh man this is kind of just a a bs session we talk a little bit about everything we talk about gear we talk about summer we talk about upcoming western hunts we talk about axe body spray so you know it's going to be a good one if we start talking about uh, cologne for men (laughs) but uh it's just a good old-fashioned BS session. Uh, good time to catch up. And uh, I hope hopefully you enjoy it. But before we get into this podcast, man, you guys need to go to wasparchery.com and check out all of their broadheads. Whether you're a mechanical broadhead kind of guy or a fixed broadhead kind of guy or gal, then you should check out Wasp Broadheads. I'm a huge fan of their boss four blade. And I know there's a lot of guys out there who are huge fans of their um, mechanicals as well. I killed a shit ton of deer with the jackhammer. Now I'm using the Boss 4-Blade. I really like it. Go to wasparchery.com. Enter the discount code... Nine fingers, that's the number nine, followed by the word fingers during checkout, and you can save bum 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 20% off of your purchase. So go check that out. Now we got a short intro today. Let's get into today's podcast with Mr. Justin Czar. All right, back for the X number of times. I think. I think you should
1: say back by popular demand. Back
0: by popular. That makes you sound really popular. Yes. Okay. Back by popular demand. Justin Czar, what's up?
1: Oh, it's a wonderful, is it Tuesday? I think it's Tuesday. Or is it Wednesday? I think it's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. Yeah. We have flash floods going on here in the Chicagoland area right now. So I'm just staying safe in my office, yeah. uh, not going outside.
0: So in a bigger- <laughs> That's what's up. In a bigger city, right, Uh, you know, like in small town Iowa where I live, people tend to be pretty decent drivers when it comes to bad weather, right? They know that you probably shouldn't drive down a road if it's flooded or, hey, maybe we should wait for the snow plows to come out before we uh, go or you just slip it in four-wheel drive and go. With you living in a higher populated area – is it just like people's brains go out their asses when sure. <laughs> when bad weather comes?
1: Well, well, it's not just when bad weather comes. Anytime you get a lot of people together, they all lose the, <laughs> their minds. It doesn't matter what it is. But I guarantee that, yes, when I am watching the news before I go to bed tonight, uh, I will see cars uh, flooded out under like a viaduct somewhere. And some lady will be like hanging out of her window or standing on the <laughs> roof of her car. Like, oh, I shouldn't have driven through all that water. Somebody please come rescue me. So, yeah, guaranteed to be on the news tonight. Awesome,
0: awesome. All right. Now, it's not a subtle transition, but it's really a hard transition. Uh, I don't know what made me think about this earlier today, but did you ever wear Axe body spray in your entire
1: life? Uh, Yes, but not like a lot of it or or very frequently i actually bought some man it was it was not that long ago and and time seems to fly the older i get so it was probably a couple years ago even though it feels like it wasn't that long ago i bought some at some point i don't even remember why i think it was to like maybe just like throw on when i left the gym so i didn't smell horribly bad and i think my wife found it or i was wearing it and she was like what are you wearing and I was like, it's Axe Body Spray. I mean, like the commercial, you should be jumping all over me right, right now. Right, You know, right. and she was like, no, that smells horrible. Please throw it away. That's funny. So uh, that's what I did.
0: I got introduced to Axe Body Spray when I was in college. And I don't know, we've all kind of had one of these friends who, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just going to do my best impression of him. Uh, I go, "What? what is that stuff you're spraying on, Man. This is Axe body spray. This is going to have the women jumping all over you. And <laughs> he's that guy who stands in the corner the whole night and waits yeah. for the girls to come to him and uh he, you know, uh, you know. Do you think that you could do you think you could look at a picture of a person and say yes or no that that guy wears Axe body spray? Absolutely. Yeah.
1: The guy that wears Axe body spray is also the guy that listens to Nickelback. By the way, <laughs> that's that guy. So I suppose I was that guy for a very brief period of time. That in my sucks,
0: life. man. Because I was just getting ready to start a Nickelback podcast, and now oh, I can't. Just no, I all can't. things Nickelback. All things Nickelback.
1: It should be Nickelback, and then when you're feeling country, you go Florida Georgia Line. Yeah. Because they're like the Nickelback of country music. They are the Nickelback. Uh, so you could uh, you could mix it up a little bit.
0: I like that. I like that. It's funny because there's a guy who lives down the street from me who fits that description of a guy who wears Axe body spray. And it was verified one day. I was driving down the street. He was outside walking from his garage to his car. And I'm not joking you. I could smell it from him just being outside and me driving by his house.
1: Yeah, it's a rather pungent uh odor the axe yeah. body spray there's a lot of different ones i wonder if i still have it i'm gonna look under my uh sink when i get home tonight and yeah. see if i still have it i might put a little on see what the mrs thinks <laughs> she <laughs> probably will throw up she probably will yeah. get away from me go take a shower <laughs> i'm i'm tired <laughs> not exactly the desired effect really. exactly. I feel exactly like i was lied to although you know now that we're in our late 30s maybe that's just the ladies aren't into that maybe uh, if i was seeking to attract Young 20 somethings, axe body spray might still be the thing. So maybe we need, maybe at our age, we need to start wearing brute. Oh, brute. Brute. You think so? I feel like that's more of like a, we got a little ways to go yet before we're in brute
0: territory. I don't know, man.
1: My grandpa. We came up in a generation. Yeah, but your grandpa, you're talking about your grandpa. We're not grandpas yet. I know. Our generation is still like cool water, dude.
0: Cool you ever water. wear cool water? I never wore cool. I, I did oh, wear man. preferred stock
1: bird stop what about like your car
0: no i don't know if i can afford that
1: you're out in iowa yeah you don't have the fancy stuff out there we
0: just put a little whiskey behind our ears before we go out
1: there you go good job (laughs) put in a dip and a little whiskey behind your ears and you are ready to go night on the town so how much uh
0: time do we have till we can start talking about i think we're can we call this the a good bs introduction should we start talking about sure
1: Let's talk about deer and shooting deer. Okay. Or trying to shoot deer.
0: That sounds good. Now, here's the first: Have you accomplished anything since the last time we talked in <laughs> in the deer woods?
1: Man, I have. I have accomplished a few things. Surprisingly enough. Fill us in. I've checked, I've checked a couple trail cameras. I have maintained some food plots. I hung. One tree stand and trimmed out a couple of other Noah's take that back. I have two stands and trimmed out a couple of others. I mean, I've actually done things uh, to begin preparing for deer season. Surprisingly enough. That's good. How about, how about you? Uh,
0: this last weekend, uh, let's see Sunday, I trimmed out a tree stand uh, in a new place. My anal retentiveness kind of kicked in and I moved the tree stand uh, about seven yards from one tree to another, and then trimmed out a whole new shooting lane uh, system, I guess you'd say. Checked some trail cameras, um, refreshed some of my mineral stations, and now I'm still not ready for the season to start.
1: <laughs> but <laughs> you're closer to being yeah, ready, though. I have which one, is all that really matters.
0: I have one tree stand up, but
1: uh, that's all right. I mean, I uh, hist- you sh- you should just go the entire season and only hunt that one stand and see if you can kill it. (laughs) I've always felt like if that's that's what you had to do and it was in the right spot and you just hunted it nonstop, like eventually something's got to walk by, right? Dude, I'm telling you,
0: if you you can find a good pinch point and you have good access to it, I'm sure you could like there's no such thing as burning that stand out, especially during the rut. If it's pinched down real tight and your scent's blowing, let's say into a field or something.
1: Sure. There was a guy that was on the old... Forum before we had bowhunting.com and we had our old website hunting net days, and he was a local guy here in the suburbs and he had the golden spot. Uh, I, I don't remember how big it was, but it was maybe twenty acres. I'm going to say at best, maybe even smaller than that, and it was situated in in between two really large pieces of timber uh one of which is uh, off limits it's a forest reserve and the other is like a giant i I don't know how many acres these people own but it's a very large uh, privately owned area does have some guys hunting it but it's very heavily managed lots of big bucks and stuff and he sat essentially in the middle of these two pieces of property and he had some fence rows and some creeks that kind of connected the two and he essentially had one tree stand that he would hunt every year it was like the only spot he would hunt and he would kill somewhere between like a 150 and a 170 religiously for like three four five six years in a row and everybody on our forum thought the guy was the greatest hunter in the world and he walked on water you know and they were always asking him for advice and he was the kind of guy that would like take pictures with all of his mounts like out in the driveway like all hung up like he was like super awesome and, uh, and then he lost that place to hunt, uh, property got sold or whatever. And I'm not sure that I've seen a picture of him with a deer since then. You probably committed suicide. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. He still popped in the forum now okay. time and again, but I've always believed that a really good spot can make even a oh, mediocre man. hunter look awesome.
0: Absolutely. It can. Um, and here's my question to you now, if you only had one tree stand, And you shot a, let's just say for all given purposes, it was the same exact 160 inch 10 pointer almost every season for the next 10, 15 years. Would you be happy with that? Or would you want to spread your wings and go somewhere else?
1: Ooh, that's a tough one, right? Because I mean, how could you not be happy with continued success? Yeah, that's that's a wonderful thing. But I think I'd get bored with it after a while. You know, same spot every year, same story. I mean, I like the the change. I like to change things up. I mean, yeah. I got I got to I got to mix things up somehow. I'm married, so I'm stuck there. So I may as well I may as well try to mix things up in my hunting life where I can. Who who wants that? Who wants to be married to one one tree? Sounds terrible.
0: That analogy. Oh boy. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, I think and I think that's why a lot of guys after, you know, several years of whitetail hunting, they they say, "Okay, I got to go look for greener pastures and start heading out west."
1: Sure. So, yeah, it's a change of scenery, new adventure. Yeah. Like you said, spread your wings, go do something else, you know. It's yep. like anything in life. You do the same thing over and over and over again and, you know, eventually you want to try something else. That's right. So, speaking of heading out west, I am leaving in like two weeks I had last two weeks from tomorrow actually I will be in Wyoming antelope or mule deer I forget antelope hunting oh boy I will be antelope hunting in in two weeks from tomorrow it's gonna be pretty awesome pretty pretty excited actually are you uh hunting with our good buddy Dustin I am I'm hunting with Dustin I got a bunch of guys actually from uh from our team that film for our show uh and other guys that um we work with that are going to be out there. There's going to be like a whole group. I think there's going to be, there's three of the guys from our show. So me, Matt and Neil are going to be there hunting. Uh, Dwayne who manages our, uh, our brand ambassador program. He's going to be there. My buddy, Scott Bakken from HHA sports. He's coming out to hunt. So the five of us are going to hunt. And then obviously Dustin will be there. And one of our other guys, Paul Morrison is going to be in camp, but he's just going to be helping uh, guide for a couple of weeks. He's actually coming out from Ohio to Wyoming to, Help Dustin guide some hunters for a couple of weeks so there's gonna be like kind of a whole crew of us there at one time and I'm honestly I'm way more looking forward to spending uh, a couple days in camp with everyone than I am the possibility of actually shooting an animal although that I am excited about that uh pretty pumped to just get together with all the guys for a couple days in a in a hunting camp
0: right right
1: D- have you shot uh, an antelope before I, I have I shot I shot one in 2010 I think it was man eight years ago it's been that long I suppose it has yeah yeah so
0: have you are you pretty picky when you go out like I mean you've shot a you've shot a real good mule deer and now yep. you've, you've already shot an antelope are you looking for something like the next step up or is it just something that makes you get excited when it walks by
1: Yeah, I am, in this case, I am looking for the next step up. You know, the first time I went, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know if I'd ever go on another antelope hunt again in my life. Uh, So I was like, I'm going to shoot the first thing that makes me excited. Uh, And I ended up, oddly enough, Dustin was with me on that hunt eight years ago in Wyoming, and he filmed that hunt for me. This is long before he was ever even a guide or owned his own outfitting business or anything. He just came with uh, we we're hunting at, at Table Mountain Outfitters for that one, and I shot my antelope. I think it was about three hours, maybe, into the first day. We had a group of, I want to say it was four or five bucks that came into the the watering hole, and I did not shoot the biggest one. I wanted to, but he just wasn't giving me the right angle shot, and I was getting impatient, so I took the the next best one I thought out of the group, which was a nice a nice antelope. Uh, he wasn't quite Pope and young measurement wise, um, but it was a great antelope and I had a blast and it was awesome. But this time I'm, I'm looking for something a little bit bigger. I figure if I'm going to shoot another one, I'm going to hold out for something a little bit bigger than the last one.
0: Do you have uh, any preference points in Wyoming for anything? Do you buy preference points at all? I do. I do.
1: I have, uh, four or five elk points at this point. Um, so yeah, I'm getting there and that's really it you know in, in dustin's area you really don't need any for antelope you need maybe one for deer yeah. um so i might buy a deer point if i want to go back out there and do thinking about doing a whitetail hunt next time you know i've done the mule deer thing thinking about maybe an early season white tail would be fun i mean the amount of whitetails out there is just un. but just the amount of animals in general is right. unbelievable right. But, i mean white tails i think dustin was texting me last night he was out scouting around you know checking out where all the deer are at because i mean their season they they have antelope hunters coming in like a week but i think he saw i think he told me in an hour's time of driving around and glassing you know different alfalfa fields he saw like over a thousand deer like in in just an hour of driving around glassing different fields i mean a hundred deer in a field is is nothing Man, You know, it's just insane to me. I go around here, where we're at in Illinois, I take my kids out, they always want to go look for deer, and we drive around and try to look in the bean fields, and if we see like five deer in a night, we're like patting ourselves on the back, like we had a great night today where we saw five deer. You know, he goes out and sees a hundred of them in one field, it's just insane.
0: So, when you go out there, obviously Dustin owns an outfitting business, but like, yep. when you go out there, are you always kind of looking for an outfitter, or are you thinking about doing any kind of DIY stuff?
1: Uh, I, I, I don't know. I'll be honest with you. I'd love to do the DIY stuff more, but the reality is like my, my time is just so limited and so infrequent, and when I can do it, that it's like, do I want to do the DIY thing? Because usually most people you talk to, they tell you it takes you a couple years to try to figure it out. Yeah. Right. You usually have to go to a place more than once. You know, if you're lucky enough to know somebody in the area or know a buddy that's hunted there, that can kind of show you the ropes. It can speed up that learning curve. But a lot of DIY. I mean, it's it's you got to go every year until you start learning it. And I just don't know that I have that much opportunity to go do that every year to put myself into a position to be successful. Yeah. You know, so it's like as much as I, I love the DIY thing. I mean, I definitely get a far greater sense of accomplishment from that than I do from going on an outfitted hunt but at the same time I do enjoy going going on a nice hunt you know at Dustin's place where uh, I know my chances of, for success are significantly improved over doing a DIY I'd probably do like a DIY antelope hunt I think I'd be all right I could probably do a DIY mule deer hunt after my last one I, I feel like i have a decent handle on what I would need to do in order to be successful. Um, an elk hunt, I mean, dude, I'm, I'm clueless. I don't know anything. Yeah. You know, I went, I've gone on one elk hunt with, with a guy that, you know, is an elk hunter. He showed me a few things, but I mean, realistically I'm a, I'm a newbie as newbie gets. Right. Well, I tell you what, man,
0: uh, I'm, I'm actually on the Wyoming game and fish department website right now. I'm checking my preference points and I have, Four points for elk, four points for antelope, and two points for mule deer, or for deer. So, You're a lunatic.
1: What are you buying so many antelope points for? Where are you trying to go antelope
0: I, I'm just buying the preference points <laughs> just so I have them. You know what I mean? It's just like, you sure. know. so hey, every year I could probably go into a better unit, right? Uh, the yep. higher, the yep. higher number of points, and I know you could probably go every year without purchasing the points. I just feel that, Hey, you might as well.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I mean, and Dustin tells everybody the same thing, but I think the one thing that he's told me over the years that has resonated with me is just because an area takes more preference points to get into doesn't necessarily mean that it's a better area to hunt. Yeah. Um, it possibly means that there's just, um, a lot more i forget what exactly what it was a lot more access yeah and that's where everybody wants to go so like in the area where he's at there's not as much public access as some of the other areas um so it's easier to get tags because not as many people are applying for those spots so you don't necessarily need as many preference points but like his elk area like he he outfits in a couple different elk areas the elk area i'd like to go to is actually up in in the Bighorn Mountains and it's on National Forest Service Land, but they have some sort of exclusive outfitting rights to to outfit in there. They're the only outfitter that's allowed to go in there. They do if somebody manages to draw a tag and they want to go hunt there, they can without an outfitter. Um, it's public land, but they're the only outfitter or, or them and one other people can actually bring bring clients in that area. If or, or when I get around to actually doing an elk hunt, you know, that's the type of hunt I want to do. I don't want to do the, you know, stay in a lodge and go out on a four wheeler and a truck type thing. I want to do the get on a horse and sleep in a tent and freeze your ass off and grind it out. Grind it out next time. So that's that's my goal what's your goal for i mean you're getting all these preference points what is your your plan well my
0: plan is so i'm going to colorado for my elk hunt this year right um i leave in like four weeks as i'm hunting some of these general units over the counter tags right uh basically learning how to hunt elk and learning how to hunt some of these other animals i'll buy preference points in some of the better units so that when i do get the opportunity to go and hunt, let's say, Wyoming, I'll have yeah. enough preference points to, you know, put myself in a, in a decent position, I guess you'd say. Uh, sure. And uh, and
1: hopefully you'll know what you're doing.
0: Yeah, exactly. At that point. Exactly.
1: So, so you're learning the ropes now.
0: Yep. So that's, that's kind of my game plan. And uh, I think I'm going to do that through a variety of states because I plan here pretty soon. I don't know if my wife knows this yet, or if she'll approve to it, but I plan to start taking one trip uh, a year for sure, but you know, possibly two. So we'll just see what happens. And uh, I'm to the point now where I mean, I love whitetails, right? And I love to sit in a tree stand and grind it out. But I'm getting to the age now where if I want to do some of these hunts and some of these more grueling hunts, I got to do it now right? Because we're starting off at 10,000 feet when we go to Colorado. That's where we're starting. That's where our camp will be. And then it's just all. And who are you going with? uh, My buddy Ryan and we're meeting another buddy Adam out there. Uh, Adam Parr. He he actually is uh, like a marketing rep for quiet cat. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I know Adam. I know Adam. Yeah. We had a few beverages together. The ATA show. That's right. That's right. Um, Okay, but he lives out there, correct? Yes. Out yes, west, so yes. he's kind of uh, acting as your quasi guide, yes, he so is. to speak, to a certain degree. Yep. Yeah, so you guys are in a much better position, absolutely. There, and, and than I, if you were just two dudes from Iowa that just showed up and you're like, "We're here to kill elk, baby." Yeah, that's where right. are they
0: at? That's right. I tell you what, man, and that's the best thing about having a podcast is when I ha- when I say things like, hey, I'm going to go out or I want to learn how to do this, there's always some really nice person that sends me an email and, hey, Dan, if you're <laughs> ever out in this part of Wyoming, hit me up. I'll show you some decent spots or I'll show you where to start or I can give you some tips or whatever. I mean I had a guy, bless his heart, he he just had a kid so he was making less trips out to Colorado and he was telling me, hey, man look for elk here, look for elk here, look for elk here. I'm just like, wow, that's awesome. Because a lot of people don't get that inside info.
1: Sure. It's the benefit of being a celebrity. <laughs> you treated uh,
0: differently. That's funny. That's funny. Okay, <laughs> now I do have a question for you about whitetails. Now, you mentioned yes. you checked some trail cameras, right? I did. Now, did. on one of the last episodes that you were on, you said that there was this big buck. You you were unsure if he made it through the winter or if you had any trail cam pictures of him or if he was even alive. Do you have any confirmation about that buck you were talking about?
1: Yeah, so uh, I think this is a deer that I texted you about, but uh, last year we had a really big three-year-old uh, that was probably in the 160 range and we were crossing our fingers he made it and he was going to be a 190 this year. Uh, in our brains that's what we wanted to have happen well finally got a picture of him uh the other day he's actually running away from us i think we bumped him out uh, my buddy mike and i when we were doing some stand work um but it looks like he lost a bunch of points and a bunch of inches from last year it's definitely the, the same deer but i'm hoping that it's just a bad photo uh and that he and we just can't see all of his tines or something along those lines but have to admit it was a little underwhelming but it's the only picture we've gotten of him so far so I don't know whatever if I see him I'm gonna shoot him I don't care how big he is at this point
0: (laughs) I got I I feel you man I got I got this buck who I always have these grand expectations for every season and this year he is an eight-year-old I have I literally have pictures of him every year for the last five years okay um I think let's see And And you just
1: keep hoping he's going to get bigger one year and he never does. He puts on a little mass, but,
0: but nothing extraordinary. Right. So he, um, I think two years ago was his biggest year. Uh, and he's, he just kind of remains the same exact size every single year. Um, I think this year his brow tines might be a little longer, but other than that, still kind of, I mean, he's kind of, I think he's a nine. He's just kind of a weird looking deer, but, uh, I, I never, ever get daylight photos of him, except this year I have daylight photos of him. So I hope he turns into one of those deer that just, eh, I've been alive for eight years. I can start taking risks. You know what I mean?
1: I'm old enough now. I'm ready to just not care anymore. Right. And uh, so he's... So you're going to shoot him if you see him, even though he's not the biggest antler deer that you have. 100%.
0: I bet you he's walking around the woods right now at about 320 pounds.
1: Yeah, heck yeah. yeah! How do you pass a deer like that?
0: No, you don't. I mean, he's going to look like a small cow coming through the timber. Yeah. If you know, but then again, September hits, and we all kind of, and I say this, I say this all the time, but September hits, and that that shift happens. Right, the the velvet is stripped, and territories and are being drawn out, and he he goes somewhere else. So sure. I never get him like I get him maybe once hitting a trail camera in a pinch point as he's coming through, he's making one lap every single year at random times. And, uh, I don't know, man, but I pulled my cameras as well and, uh, pulled my cards as well. And I got some, I got some, uh, some good prospects out there. Yeah.
1: I was watching your, your social media accounts. I saw. Yeah. That's a good looking deer.
0: Yeah. uh, I'm pretty happy. Um, it's not the best year I've ever had, but it's not the worst and I tell you what, I it's just one of those things where if you put yourself in the right position on the right day, you you'll be successful. I mean, I just I've I've kind of felt confident the last two years going into the timber not only with my i guess you want to say my hunting ability but my archery skills at you know as well i I took my longest archery shot 35 yards last year i've ever i've never taken a shot that far on a deer before and i drilled him he was dead and that 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 can build your confidence, especially It was good. When, doesn't it? I know. Especially when, a, you know, a big mature buck is walking through the woods. However, I mean, I thought he was big and mature, but he wasn't, you know what I mean? But <laughs> <laughs> we'll just pretend
1: he was for the yeah. sake of the conversation.
0: Yep. yep. Absolutely. So yeah, man, are, are you excited? I mean, what are your, what are your expectations for this upcoming season?
1: Oh boy. You know what? I I, mean, I got to admit they're pretty pretty low right now (laughs) maybe i'll get more excited once the season gets you know going uh i mean i am excited in that you know i've got three great farms to hunt you know my my six-year-old really does want to go out he's talking about it nonstop. he can't wait to go out you know he goes in the garage and he's like dad is this my tree stand and i'm like no buddy that's that's not your stand we're gonna i'm gonna put up a double ladder stand for us and he's like why do i have to be in the same tree stand as you you just go in your stand and i'll go in my stand <laughs> i was like well you're not old enough for that yet you know so i'm excited to, to take him out i'm really hoping to be able to shoot a deer with him tagging along with me this year um so pretty pretty excited about that uh you know locally my two farms i mean we know there's some good deer on them there's nothing earth shattering on either one of them at this point um but there's some good you know mature deer that you know aren't gonna set the world on fire but their deer i'd certainly love to, to tag so i'm excited about chasing them and then you know we've got a, a lease it's about two hours west of here and that's got considerably more deer on it um one just absolute stud of a buck uh, it was a deer that i believe he's four this year he was a nice three-year-old last year and he really blew up and got a lot bigger than i thought he was going to uh he may push 170 this year he's a gorgeous deer uh, but, but you know, and the big but there is like you just said. You know, once September comes and the ranges start to change a little bit, who knows what's going to happen. Last year, come October, he wasn't all that visible. Uh, got a few pictures of him here and there, uh, but the ones I did get were usually in daylight, even in October. So, uh, but I'm getting significantly more summertime pictures of him this year than I did last year, which is odd because last year we had soybeans and I was getting a ton of bucks. Uh, whereas this year I'm not getting quite as many different bucks, but, uh, but this guy I'm getting just over and over and over again. I've got him, I mean, if I was to be able to go hunting right now, I would almost guarantee I could kill him. He's coming in and out of the same spot, like clockwork every single day on my, on a trail camera. He's going back in, in the morning and he's coming out in the evening. So I'm hoping that he maintains that pattern long enough to where maybe that, that first part of the early season um, be able to get a crack at him cause he's coming out into some of our food plots at night right now. So we'll see what happens. You know, a lot of time between now and October, but I'm sure I will get much more excited for deer hunting when that gets closer. But for right now I got to worry about, uh, getting all my stuff ready to go for, for Wyoming first.
0: Yeah. So
1: you mentioned, uh,
0: food plots, right? How many acres of food plots are you typically planning on your farms? <laughs> Less than one.
1: <laughs> okay, so basically, just some <laughs>
0: yeah. some micro plots. Used to, Little
1: micro plots yeah. with an ATV. You know, I don't have fancy equipment. I don't have a lot of room to put food plots in. We've got a couple areas. That, um, I shouldn't say that the one the one farm that we've got here locally that I lease with with Todd Graff and Tom Alford is probably going to have a couple acres of food in there. But that's mostly Tommy. You know, he's a, he's a landscaper by trade and he goes out there with tractors and does food plots because he likes doing it. You know, that's I'm not all that involved in putting in the food plots, but I do enjoy hunting over them when I I can. So that farm's got a decent amount of food on it, but like my other ones, I mean, we're talking, the one plot that this buck is coming into is maybe at its widest point, 25 yards, and it's probably 80 yards long. and it's in alfalfa, clover, and chicory right now. And the deer are just absolutely pounding it. A um, lot of activity in that right now. I've traditionally had pretty good luck with, with that particular plot and that mix. So hoping that that's going to do well. And then we have a small brassica plot that's about the same size. Uh, so that's more of a late season thing for us. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's really about it. We were hoping to buy some crop back from the farmer this year, but he told me he didn't want to sell us any crops back, which I thought was a little weird. He sold us back some beans last year, but, uh, doesn't, doesn't want to sell us any corn this year. So I don't know what, what the deal is there, but such is life, we will somehow find a way to survive. Hopefully I'll be tagged out before, uh, December comes. So I don't have to worry too much about it.
0: Right. Which is kind of crazy because, um, you know, I thought about doing that as well, but there's still some... Um, initial cost that goes into buying back because you're buying you're buying you're buying crop from the farmer but then he's still got to use diesel fuel to go and mow it all down or chop it down again rake it out and then turn it you know front to start planting the next you know the next but
1: uh, I yeah but I mean he's he's turning the fields anyways you know and by the time springtime comes around I mean I don't think there's a ton of extra work you know the way we worked it last year and traditionally what we've done in the past that I've had pretty good luck with is you know we wait until the farmers pick the fields you know they figure out um how many bushels per acre they're getting whether it's corn or beans for that year we figure out how much they left for us you know and then we just figure out the math you know of of, you know what he got for that crop when he sold it at the at the local grain mill and then you know we pay him that amount of money and it's traditionally worked out pretty well for us um but for some reason this year he said he didn't didn't want to mess with it so which is fine. I mean, there's still, uh, you know, plenty of hunting to be done, even when it's not over a food plot. The only time I really feel like that gives you a big, big advantage is super late in the year. You know, when you start looking at mid-December and on through the end of the season, yeah. that food really does come in handy. Um, but before then, it's, for me anyways, it's more of a luxury than a necessity. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, I mean, if I can manage to shoot one decent buck this year... You know, I'll be happy, and if I can get him, you know, before December, that'd be even better because then my my desire to go sit in a tree stand and freeze my ass off in December and January is pretty low. Even though I might have a, a second buck tag in my pocket if I've already filled one, then I've, I, I consider it a success at that point. Right, right. Now,
0: I want to switch to gear, hunting gear, and. Yes. Right now, I'm looking at a lot of different things. So, like, I'm looking at some new arrows. Um, I'm looking at uh, some additional camo. I'm looking at, um, oh, some, like, GPS-type stuff uh, for my Colorado hunt. Uh, Just kind of a a variety, hodgepodge of everything, just, like, nuts like us always kind of look at. But do you have your eye on anything or... Maybe what kind of gear do you always kind of look at and buy every year?
1: I feel like I'm always getting some sort of new clothing item every year of some sort, even though if I don't need it. (laughs) So it's probably my biggest weakness, I would say. Uh, So I just actually picked up some new... Sunlock came out with their new light season, or early season stuff, which is their Savannah Rain. Uh, Last year, they came out with this... uh, Think it was called the tactic suit. It was treated with this stuff called Neverwet. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen Neverwet before? You've probably seen like a YouTube video or something, but I forget who makes it if it's DuPont or some big Rust Oleum, I think maybe makes it. You can go to Home Depot and you can buy this stuff. And it was uh, like in the commercials, they show like they spray it on like let's say a pair of sneakers, like white sneakers, and then they take the sneakers and they oh, dunk them in yeah. a giant tub of mud and they come out and they're like perfectly clean. Right? You know what I'm talking about? Right, right. Or they show it like they show a brick, like a cinder block that's treated with this. And they throw the cinder block in the mud and they pick it up. Half of it's covered in mud and half of it, it just runs right off. Well, setlock has got garments that are treated with this chemical now or this process. So like literally like anything you get on it just pretty much runs right off the garment, whether it's mud, blood, water, whatever. It's not necessarily waterproof because you know the way that the fabric is woven the water can still get through you know the fabric but i mean it withstands a light rain but it stays very clean uh it's pretty neat man i got to admit it's it's pretty cool technology i wonder if so, it's breathable it's breathable sure yeah because the 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 technology is well i i don't know if it's breathable if you were to like have um something that was if the material itself wasn't breathable but think about it like you know, all the little fibers are woven together, right? And there's space in between those fibers for it to be breathable. You know, it doesn't fill that void. That's why it's not fully waterproof. It's more of like a DWR water-resistant treatment, um, but it's like DWR on steroids. I wonder. Uh, it's pretty cool. I wonder if so. My my point is, if I took a
0: wool garment, right, 100% merino wool, it's supposed to wick the water away from you and breathe. If you coated it with that stuff does it lose that ability
1: i don't i don't know it might i mean the material itself probably probably loses its inherent ability to do that sure i would imagine that it would Hmm. i need to
0: do a little bit more research on that
1: yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I mean, I, I wore that tactic suit a lot last year, and I really liked it. So they came out with their new lightweight stuff that's got that same treatment. The other reason I bought it too is uh, I, you know, I plan on doing a little bit more ground blind hunting. This uh, or usually or, like I'll do it early in the season because I bring my little guy with me. Because right. it's great. It's great to kind of keep him semi-contained. Um, so they came out with that early season jacket, and it's in black, and it's got a hood. And it's got a built-in face mask that's really, really lightweight, kind of built into the hood. Uh, and I really liked that. They had that feature on another jacket I had a couple of years ago, and I liked it. So uh, outside of some new clothing, I'll be honest with you, I haven't really picked up a whole lot of other new stuff here lately. Just kind of running. I mean, trail cameras. I'm always getting new trail cameras because I'm a junkie, addict, freak. <laughs> But, uh, I mean, does that count? Do trail cameras count? They count. They count. Okay. Oh, so yeah. New trail cameras. What arrows are you looking at? You mentioned you were looking at some new arrows. So check this out.
0: All right. So I did a podcast with this guy from slash arrows. Okay. So, yeah. uh, David hand is his name. I think he's one of the owners of the company. He come, he came on the podcast. He started talking about the arrows. So he sent me some, right. And, So I put on, they have a test arrow, right? So I put a a field point on the end of it, and I started shooting it. And I'm dude, it shoots very well. And the way that that arrow is designed, it's 11.1 grains per inch, but it's got this big, thick, like, insert, basically, on the front end of it. And just a really heavy FOC on the arrow. And I emailed him today, and I said, "Hey, man, uh, I want to buy twelve. I want to buy twelve practice tips from you because their their actual insert has these big blades on it."
1: Yeah, I know what they are. Yeah, they sit back from the broadhead a couple inches. like, yep. I don't
0: know, three inches maybe. Yep, that's right. So I don't know if I want to use the actual broadheads, or like their that insert. It's called the slash insert. Right. So, um, I don't want to use that. I want to use my regular broadheads and, but have that push it through. So you're talking about,
1: Oh, so you're talking about just adding all that extra weight on the front front of arrow is what you really want.
0: Yeah, exactly. And dude, I've been drilling them like up to 40 yards last night. I was drilling them and lots of penetration, uh, through my target. It was. I was pretty impressed with it, and I had this kind of aha moment where. And what have you been shooting prior to that? Man, I I go through arrows like, it's nobody's <laughs> business, you know. Like, so one year I was using Carbon Express, and the next year I used some FMJs, and then I uh, got these arrows from Australia, Zeller arrows. Uh, I can't get a hold of that guy. Uh, where do you even hear about these? Uh, I've never even heard of Zeller arrows. Yeah. Uh, my buddy, uh, Wade James, I think you know him, um, yep. Wade told, uh, schooled me on them, and then my buddy Ben Harshine, he said he was using them too, so I said, okay, well, I'm going to give these a shot. Uh, in Australia, it takes about two weeks to get to you, but no one's answering their emails or phone calls to the company, so I'm just like, well, I wanted to get
1: some more of those. The website is under construction. It's coming soon in 146 days.
0: (laughs) Right. And I saw that and I'm just like, well,
1: (laughs) I don't think I'm going to be able to buy because,
0: um, all my inserts, they, they have or not insert, they have an outsert on their arrows and, um, that's how I had it set up. But you shoot them a lot, you shoot them a lot and, uh, the shop that built my arrows used a, a regular uh, adhesive for that and they start the insert started coming out when I was pulling them out of the target so I needed so I had to recap them with some JB Weld type material like some really uh. industrial strength adhesive and then that seemed to work but um I I started shooting these slash arrow these practice slash arrows and I really I just really like them so I think I'm going to I think I'm, I'm going to order 12 uh, of those practice tips and use those this year.
1: Fair enough. And what hair are you going to put on the front of it?
0: Okay, I I used to be a mechanical guy, but now I kind of fell in love with uh, smaller diameter uh, sure. f- four blades. Uh, so I'm going to be using, and they are, a, full disclosure, they are a, a sponsor of the podcast, but the, the Boss four blade from Wasp, uh, yes it's a hundred grains so my arrow is gonna be just under I think it just under 500 total grains,
1: grains. sure however that's a good weight
0: yeah I like the, that's a it's a good spot to be in however they have the Magna, I think slash has another arrow called the Magna or the man what's they have the Express and they have the mega or, or uh, I shit i forget what it is anyway it's a 13.2 grain per inch arrow so if i get that arrow at what is it uh with 100 grain head on the end of it now i'm over 500 yeah so
1: i would now i feel like you're getting a little overkill though but i'm going to i mean elk. i guess you can never have too much right. but i mean I, I feel like for me anyways over 500 is just for for white tails and even for elk like it's you just don't really need it maybe but maybe <laughs> well, I'm, you I'm got a three hundred and twenty pound deer you're trying to kill, so maybe you do, do need it. But I'm telling
0: you this: ever since I bumped up my arrow weight, and you know I, I didn't change the speed on my bow at all, um, obviously my arrow's traveling slower, but I have had more pass-throughs, and I shot some does, and this is going to sound disturbing, but I kind of went ooh when the arrow hit him, I mean, it knocked him to the ground.
1: Sure, and I, I, I'm i all for a heavier arrow. I mean, I'm usually in the 440, 450 range. Yeah. I did shoot 500, just over 500 grain arrows for a season. And said, Shit, it was my best season ever. I mean, I shot, uh, that's when I shot my mule deer in Wyoming. That was like a 500 grain arrow. and Then I came home, I shot four whitetails here in Illinois. Uh, that fall, two bucks and, and two does. One of them was a quote unquote doe, may or may not have had buttons on its head, but it was still a deer. Uh, right. I mean, I passed through everything I shot at, you know. Um, so yeah, I, I the heavier arrow, like your bow's quieter, right? You've got better yep. penetration. Uh, I just feel like overall, it, I would rather be heavier than lighter any day. Oh yeah, um, yeah, for sure. So I'm I'm right about, I think I'm at about 440 grains with my setup, which I feel like 440, 450 is a good sweet spot for me. You know, I've done the 500 thing and it works fine, but you know, I feel like that mid 400s is a really good compromise between being able to shoot a larger mechanical and still blow through deer, no problem. Um, and still have a decent amount of, you know, speed. I'm not losing too much. Uh, so yeah, I'm with you.
0: So what broadhead are you shooting then?
1: You know, I'll I'll mix it up between uh, a mechanical and a fixed blade. I'll shoot both at different points of the year. I am currently thinking I'm going to be shooting mechanicals for my antelope hunt. Uh, I'll probably be shooting the NAP Spitfire XXX. That's what I've got in my mind for right now. Yeah. That's a 2-inch cut 3-blade, uh, and I've had tremendous luck with that broadhead. Um, Over the years, you know, either the Spitfire triple X or the Max, which is basically the same broadhead, but it's an inch and three quarter instead of a two inch. Um, Both of those broadheads have performed nothing but phenomenally for me. Um, So an antelope aren't that big of an animal. Um, So I'm not super, super worried about like heavy bone structure or, you know, penetration or anything like that. I want to put a big hole in them. So I'm probably going to be doing those um, when I come home for whitetails. Uh, I will probably be shooting the NAP Thunderhead Nitro, uh, which is very similar to that Wasp broadhead that you're shooting. Um, Similar to their, I think their drone is the uh, three-blade version. So the the Thunderhead Nitro is that same. It's that small kind of micro fixed blade. I think it's like an inch and an eighth or an inch and a sixteenth cutting diameter. But man, they fly like darts. They penetrate amazing Uh, that's what I shot my buck with last year I've shot a lot of deer with that broadhead over the years and I don't think I've ever not had a pass through with that broadhead and I'd say the vast majority of the time and I think you could probably testify to this like when you shoot them with those small fixed blades and a heavier arrow it blows through them so quick that they don't even know it hit them and in a lot of cases they run 40 yards and just fall over yeah Uh, you know, when you shoot them with those big mechanicals, sometimes it's like, I feel it's like smacking them in the side with a two by four and yeah. they seem to run way further than they should, even when you put a good shot on them. Well, they're losing so.
0: they're in. It's losing opening that blade is, is losing energy when it, when that happens. Sure. So yeah, I, I, the buck I shot this past year with uh, my fixed blade, man, I, it just went through it like butter. I shot it a little bit back in the liver, but still, it went all the way through the body. It stuck in a tree on the other side. The buck kind of ran 20 yards, sat there and just kind of looked around and then it just went. And then it was, I, the deer ended up closer to my stand than it, it, when it fell over, than it did when I shot it, which was kind of funny.
1: So that's pretty awesome. I mean, that's what you live for as a bow hunter. Absolutely. You know, that's what you want. Um, you know the deer I shot last year. He was I don't know 18, 20 yards, passed clean through. And when I field dressed him out, my broadhead had gone in and out directly smack through a rib. Yeah. Uh, you know both in and out. Um. So and I mean it still passed you know clean through him and stuck in the ground. So there is something to be said for that. So yeah, I mean like I said, I I I like both mechanicals and fixed blades. I don't think you know each one has its benefits the one thing that i think about like the spitfire and the over the top style mechanicals is i personally feel like they penetrate a lot better because they're not expending as much energy until they get inside of the animal where it's it's soft tissue so it's already done the hard part right it's got through the fur the hide the ribs now once once that those blades are fully fully open generally it's already you know in the the chest cavity of the animal they could do all of its damage there and you end up with really big exit holes on the other side and i've had lots and lots of pass-throughs with big you know two inch cut spitfire mechanicals where when you look at those uh you know quote-unquote correct opening ones like a a rage or a kill zone or any of those like you're not seeing a ton of guys getting pass-throughs with those things a lot because they're expending so much energy when they open and go into the animal which also has its own unique set of benefits you know every broadhead is good for different reasons and people like different things. There's not one, one size fits all or one correct answer for everybody. But for me, like when it comes to the mechanicals, I've had way better luck, like Spitfires. I I think if I could, somebody said you could only have one broadhead for the rest of your life, I'd probably stick with the nitro because I I can reuse it and resharpen the blades easier. It's a little bit tougher. Like if I had to just shoot the same broadhead over and over, but if I just had an unlimited supply of, any one broadhead for the rest of my life, it would be some sort of spitfire.
0: Right. Before I even, I I can remember the first mechanical broadhead pack that I ever bought way back in the day was the wasp jackhammers. And dude, I killed a lot of deer with that, with that broadhead and and does and bucks. And, uh, but something about that, incident i had in 2010 with shipwreck where i hit him and i feel that that broadhead lost mo- lost its momentum going into him when it just dis- you know when it opened up it lost its momentum and hit bone where i feel if i had a fixed blade it probably would have got some more penetration and potentially hit the backside sure. lung and right. that's right well whole i ball. mean there's yeah
1: there's a couple things to think about though right like what arrow were you shooting at that point yeah was it a carbon express was it a lightweight arrow you know there's a lot of guys shooting sub 400 grain arrows out there at whitetails yeah. you know and if you hit yeah. them perfect no problem you hit them not so perfect eh, you know yeah. sometimes they're not the best i mean i've i'm guilty of that i shot a deer in the shoulder a couple years ago with a. i I was shooting a carbon express like a blue streak or something like a super light arrow in a a kill zone i don't know what the hell i was thinking you know and it literally just broke the end of the arrow off and essentially just bounced off of him you know it didn't do anything and that wasn't a fault of any of the equipment that i was using it was my choice to use that equipment you know not fully maybe understanding the heck i was doing you know a light arrow in a large Correct opening mechanical broadhead do not belong together, and there's a lot of guys out there shooting them. Yeah,
0: and that reason alone is why I am now going to and forever shoot a heavy arrow setup. Period. Good man. I want to kill. I agree.
1: I want to kill the shit I shoot at. <laughs> I think we all do. Yeah, it's kind of the point. Right. But but you know to your point, like so you hit shipwreck a little forward right and you hit him in the shoulder and you're sitting there it was
0: actually it was right on target but a little high i hit the bottom of the spine really yeah and i hit i even hit one lung because when the guy uh when the guy who shot him cleaned him out he he told me dude i have no idea how this buck survived but
1: he did yeah isn't that amazing yeah But so you're out there thinking, okay, if I had a a fixed blade, maybe the results would have been different as I encountered some bone. But then, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, if you hit them a little bit far back, you know, which happens relatively regularly and you're shooting a small fixed blade that doesn't leave as big of a hole, then guys are kicking themselves saying, man, I wish I had that big two inch cut mechanical, you know, I would have had a better chance of recovering that animal. So it's like, You're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. You can't ever predict which way it's going to go. If you're going to hit forward or hit back, the best you can do is just try to hit them right in the middle where you're aiming and kill them, and then it doesn't matter what kind of broadhead you got on there. Just shoot them through the heart every time, right? That's right, and they will die. (laughs) I've never had one live from a heart (laughs)
0: shot. (laughs) It's that easy. I've only shot – I honestly think of all the deer I've ever shot, I think I've only shot – two deer in the heart and it wasn't because that's where i was aiming because i always aim a little bit back of the shoulder to try to catch the lungs sure that's that's where i shoot anyway
1: that's where everybody should shoot i mean i'll be honest i have a problem with trying to tuck it too close in there and i've had some shoulder shot issues in, in my life or more forward i've hit significantly more deer forward than i have back which i think is of an anomaly because almost everyone else that i ever talked to you tends to hit them a little bit far back and not forward um but i'm always just finding myself for some reason kind of hugging that front leg and that's my number one goal for this year of shooting animals is i want to i want to be a little bit further back than i've been uh in the past that's been my achilles heel so to speak yeah absolutely well hey
0: man We're uh, coming up on time here. I want to say again, thank you very much for uh, hopping on BSing with me again, and we will make this
1: another regular occurrence. So check your schedule
0: and we'll do it again. We'll touch
1: base when I'm back from Wyoming and I'll fill you in on all the fantastic shenanigans that happen out there.
0: And there you have it. Huge shout out to Mr. Justin Czar for coming on the podcast yet again and BSing with me. Huge shout out to all the partners of this podcast, Exodus Trail Cameras, Wasp Broadheads, Lone Wolf Portable Tree Stands, Deer Lab, Prime, Bows, Ripcord, Air Rest, Ozonic Scent Elimination, and Hunter Safety System Safety Harnesses. Please, please, please go out and support those companies because they support this podcast. Also, I want you to go to iTunes, leave a review, not only on the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, but on the all the other podcasts that are on this uh, network. Uh, Give them some love as well. Uh, Check us out on social media as well. Not just the Nine Finger Chronicles on Instagram and Facebook, but all of the other podcasts uh, on the network as well. And make sure you join us on the Sportsman's Nation Instagram and Facebook pages as well. Like and share that stuff. I mean, there's a lot of great content coming down the pipe written, In audio podcast form and in videos, Uh, I'm getting ready to edit my next vlog here late tonight. Uh, Hopefully, I can have that out early next week and uh, you'll be able to check out some of that stuff. Other than that, hopefully, everybody is having a great week. If you're going to be outside hanging tree stands this weekend, please, our friends from Hunter Safety Systems are saying, wear your damn safety harness. Have a good week.